Hey y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm gonna walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources who remind you you're not alone. In this episode, number 240, I'm chatting with author and speaker and actress, Wendy Speak. And now looking back, I see that each, whether it's private school, public school, homeschool, each of them have pros and each have cons, and you might find that one that's going to fit you perfectly. But really along the way, I think it's just a picture of what life is going to be. Some things are going to fit really well. Some things, this is going to go against really what your personality or your natural bent, and maybe that would go better. And along the way, I learned, I don't want to keep pulling my kids out and trying another thing. I want to teach them to persevere and do well with what they have, even when they're struggles. So that's kind of where I am now that we're hitting those junior high, high school years is, okay, you're struggling. This isn't time for us to go find a different learning model. This is the time now where we get ready for life and there will be challenges. There will be trials, but with God's help, we have everything we need for life and godliness. The educational path of our children, it can stir up so many different emotions in us as moms. And I want to address a few before we get into this conversation. First of all, I know for some of you, this topic of school choice can bring some pain, some sadness, some grief, because this journey has not been an easy one for you. Perhaps your child has strong will or behavior or learning differences, and this has been a challenging road. And I want you to know that Wendy understands. She's going to share some of that story with her boys and with uh, her own journey, and she has encouragement for you. I know others of you may feel guilt. Perhaps you live in a community where there is pressure for one particular choice, And we have to acknowledge the fact that even being able to choose is a privilege, that not everyone has the option on where their child is educated. And so let's, as a community, support one another. So maybe you live in a place where homeschooling is the preferred method, and that is just not a fit for your family, or perhaps it's private school, and financially, that's just not an option. And we have to recognize that there is not a hierarchy of safety or best fit that we often hold in high regard as parents, that we can give each other the freedom to seek God's direction and peace for our child. Each child may have a different journey and for our families. So I would love if our Don't Mom Alone community would come alongside each other in this. Maybe you're feeling some self-doubt. Perhaps you wonder, am I putting my child in the right place? Am I going to quote unquote mess up their future? And I want you to know, as Lisa Bevere said, you are not that powerful, that God's plans are bigger and there is nothing you can do to disrupt that for your child. So trust him in that as we make these choices and let's come alongside each other. All right, before we get into my chat with Wendy, I did wanna bring up, this is my last time I'm gonna talk about it on the podcast the Enjoy God's Word Conference. It's an online conference. It is happening in April, April 23rd through 25th. But once you get a ticket, you get access to it forever. So what is it? There are gonna be six main sessions that my friend Katie Orr teaches on Philippians. And then there are over 20 breakout sessions. If you wanna see what those breakout sessions are, and if this is something that would help you grow spiritually, go to 
don'tmomalone.com forward slash enjoy God's word. And you can go and scroll through all the different breakout sessions. You're also going to see my session. Um, I don't know if the description, I think I need to rewrite the description because I am going to be talking on the authority God's given us and some different prayer tools that I've seen helpful as I activate God's word in my life to those around me. Again, if you want to check it out, go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash enjoy God's word. I told you there was a super early bird discount. Well, there's still an early bird discount until April 2nd. And I think there's a book bundle giveaway that the uh, breakout session teachers who have books are donating those books into a giant book bundle giveaway for those of you who buy tickets uh, before April 2nd. So go check that out. Don'tmomalone.com forward slash enjoy God's word. All right, let's get to my chat with Wendy. Here we go. Hey, Wendy, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank you, Heather. I'm excited to be here. Glad to finally sit down with you and have a conversation. (laughs) Yes, so many moms, this topic of school choice keeps them up at night, hours of research. For some, it's easy. For some, it's a no-brainer, and they live in a community that that's not a hard choice, or they have a kid that it's not a hard choice. But a a lot of moms over the years have asked if I've ever done an episode on this. And so I'm thrilled to have you on the show sharing your experiences with your family. And would you take a second to introduce us to them? Yeah, sure. Um, I married my husband, um, a Texan, not far from where you are, Heather, um, 18 years ago. And within a couple of years, we started our family and we had three boys in quick succession. So I have a uh, high schooler now. He's 15 years old. His name is Caleb. And then I've got a 13 year old. He's in junior high and that's Brody. And then I have, um, my youngest is Asher and he is 11. So he's in fifth grade right now. And, uh, his first full sentence was I'm the biggest. And so it, we've had an interesting ride because even though that he's the youngest and the last one in elementary school, man, he still leads the charge and he's telling us what he's doing for school and high school. I mean, he's got his own agenda. So we're going to talk about how to have an agenda for your kids. But some of your kids, they're going to come out of the womb and they're saying, this is what I want to do. And this is where yeah. I want to go to school. So it's been a wild ride for all three of these very unique personalities. Yeah. Yeah. So true. I mean, that's the thing. We can talk. There's different genders, different learning styles, different personality traits. So much goes into all of this. And yeah, but it didn't used to, you know, I, I love it. Yeah. You said some people, you know, you've got a school right there in your neighborhood and maybe that's why you moved to the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking when we grew up, for goodness sakes, <laughs> there weren't all these options. And if they were, our parents made an option and they were busy doing other things, drinking their tab and, you know, <laughs> whatever yeah. was yeah. going on in yeah. the seventies and eighties. And we just did it. And I, I always say that our our yearbooks, K through 12, you know, they all match. It's like a set of perfectly matching teeth, just smiling at you from the bookshelf. And now we're like, my goodness, it's like snaggle tooth. We try to put all of our yearbooks for our kids lined up together because there is like, well, I started here and then I tried that. And, you know, then this kid went there. So I know it's not as, as easy for many people, but some of us still have the, no, we made this choice and we've stuck with it and it's been a great choice. And then there's some people saying, okay, now I'm really nervous because I haven't made this choice yet, but I need to. So we'll just talk through all the things. Yeah. And for me growing up, even though I was in the 80s era, uh, my parents 
didn't choose to put me and it was a great public school. They, they had me in the Christian school and then they pulled me out and then I was homeschooled. So, Oh, you've done them all then you yourself. That's yeah. not as common. I mean, for yeah, our generation of raising kids, that's no. more common. No, I had older siblings, way older siblings. And so I think my mom put a lot of energy into quote unquote, getting it right the second time around. Like she had two mm-hmm. kids and then 11 years later had two kids. And yeah. so because homeschooling wasn't really a thing, obviously in the 1800s, we're not talking about another generation, like <laughs> in the 80s and the 90s, we, I would get asked a lot about it. Like, yeah. what did you think about homeschooling and what was it like being homeschooled? And I always answered, I don't know any different. Like, I don't, I don't really remember the kindergarten, first grade. I don't really remember those years. And I don't know what a typical elementary experience is like to compare Oh, because you came home to homeschool. What grade? Like second through eighth, I was homeschooled. Okay. And then I went to high school at a Christian school. Yeah, that's a great age to homeschool, by the way. <laughs> I love I love elementary school. Yeah, I was I was protected a little bit from a lot of the drama, but I still interacted with kids at youth group in the junior high and felt a little sure. excluded. But yeah, there's so much to it. And each child being so unique, I think my mom started homeschooling because my younger brother was struggling um, with some learning differences and yep. some behavior. And so she was like, well, we'll just homeschool. And so yeah. she took it on and she thought, well, it's easier if I just homeschool both of you. And so um, that was her journey. And we had a lot of other friends that we homeschooled alongside and had a support group, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my husband laughs at my support group. Support group. Um, <laughs> well, don't mom alone, you right? know, your exactly. mom knew the secret. She started it actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we would get together and do science fairs and plays and yeah. different things as a group. So I didn't feel like I lacked the social interaction. And there really isn't a lot of lacking the social interaction for most homeschool families today because it's so much more common. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really any of the big cities, um, you've got everything from classical conversations to public charter schools, you know, where you can go in and do classes a couple days a week to, you know, just co-ops. Yeah. So let's start there because I think a lot of moms are like, well, maybe I'll just do it myself. You know, I find a lot of moms with young kids, they start homeschooling in preschool. They're like, let's get this party started. And uh, start homeschooling young. Did you spend any time homeschooling your kids? Uh, yes, we've done it all. But okay. we actually started um, homeschooling preschool. And I didn't call it preschool. I called it play school, okay. which we thought was really cool. And when the <laughs> youngest brother was napping, we got out our our letter board and our, and our puzzles and our sticker books. And that was really the oldest child, especially. And, uh, I remember the first piece of formal, I would say curriculum. I was at TJ Maxx and they had hooked on phonics, get ready for reading or something like that, like their kindergarten curriculum. And he was only three years old, but I was like, Oh, I think I'm going to be homeschooling and it's $49. And I've seen the commercials, you know, where it's (laughs) 199. So I bought it and I opened it up and I looked at it and he saw all the colors and characters. So we just very naturally, I wasn't trying to, you know, get a head start. It was like, oh, what's this while your brother's nap? And mm-hmm. we went through it and he was four and he was reading. And what I've learned since then is that's really not that big of a deal. That doesn't mean he's uniquely bright. It just means, you know, there was focus time and he had the brain that was able to do it at that age. But 
whether they're early readers or late readers, around fourth grade, you know, the average child all ends up at the same place. And so if your child's not even able to hold a pencil at four or five, you know, they might end up being significantly uh, more successful in school than the one that was learning to read at three and four. So, but this was my first experience. And then I thought by the time we were getting near the end of preschool, you know, maybe we'll try because I had just had the, the third boy I thought maybe we will try a private Christian school near us. We we are able to financially right now do it. I've got a lot going on. Let's just see what that's like. So the semester before kindergarten started, we hopped into a preschool for him. And uh, he did fine, and he did find that kindergarten experience. But at that point, my second born, yeah, he wasn't such an easy learner. And really, he needed my undivided attention. And so I was able to play school with him. And um, I got some help with, from a psychologist who said, given some of his struggles, really going a couple days a week to school might help him get some of these skills. So we tried that, and it never really fit for him. So we tried a couple different kind of classes. And eventually, I just realized I needed to bring him home. He needed to be home. And what I love is that God kind of gave me a vision for homeschooling before he gave me the need to homeschool. So when I thought, oh, I think he's actually calling me to bring my kid home, I had already bought into the idea of homeschooling. So it wasn't too big of a leap for me. And then I bought into it hard and then the struggles continued and there were uh, different diagnoses for multiple kids and so a couple different times I was like, well, maybe we'll try this. Well, maybe we'll try that. And each time we tried, I felt like the real secret was just beyond my grasp. Mm. And now looking back, I see that each, whether it's private school, public school, homeschool, each of them have pros and each have cons. And you might find that one that's going to fit you perfectly. But really along the way, I think it's just a picture of what life is going to be. Some things are going to fit really well. Some things, this is going to go against really what your personality or your natural bent, and maybe that would go better. And along the way, I learned, I don't want to keep pulling my kids out and trying another thing. I want to teach them to persevere and do well with what they have, even when they're struggles. So that's kind of where I am now that we're hitting those junior high, high school years is, okay, you're struggling. This isn't time for us to go find a different learning model. Right. This is the time now where we get ready for life and there will be challenges. There will be trials, but with God's help, we have everything we need for life and godliness. So let's, let's see how to persevere through this challenge. But in those younger years, I do think the main question we can ask ourselves is what are my values and is there a school model that lines up with my values best. And then the next question is, well, what are my kids' special needs or learning needs? You know, that doesn't always mean a challenge. It could be advanced, you know, yeah, a child that's very advanced, yeah, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, so what are my child's special needs or learning needs? And then the third question to ask is, what are mom's needs? And I think that's one that gets left out a yeah, lot. Yeah. Because mom might say, oh, my kids need this. But um, I don't think it's a terrible thing to look at not just our kids' personality types, but mom's personality type and kind of figure out, okay, well, that curriculum might go best for him if I'm going to homeschool, but it's really not, it's not easy for me. I'm overwhelmed with that. So 
starting by asking those questions. What do we value as a family? Some families value um, a preparatory education. You know, really a good education will set you up for success. Mm -hmm. Some families are very, very missional and they say, I want my kid to be in the world with us while in our home and we can be uh, learning together while he's in elementary school about what it means to be a light on their campus. We want to be in a public school so we can be doing this from a young age. Some people might say, hey, I value that too, but during these young years, I want them in a in a Christ-centered environment so they can grow in their faith before throwing them out to the lines. Like this might be different mentalities for families. So understanding that. And then you might say, well, we value the preparatory education. And then you get a child in that school and they struggle with dyslexia with a little brother that struggles with anxiety over academics. And you could say, well, that might be what we value, but it doesn't fit them. Hmm. So it's just lots of questions at first, writing down what are your values and then what are the strengths of the kids and then putting it through the lens of, well, what are mom's skills and how can she come alongside them and help them? That was a lot of words I just said. (laughs) Wendy, it's so good. I think it's really helpful for the mom who is processing through this to have a starting point to literally make three columns. What are my values? What are our family's values? Because one element too is a husband and a wife coming together. I know for our family, when we were starting this journey, my husband had been entirely educated in a public school setting in Houston area and great schools, um, great experience. And, you know, one of a couple of his siblings had gone to private school here or there. So he just thought, well, that's what we do. We go in the public school. Yeah. And I, I'd already shared homeschooled, private school. So then we're meeting, you know, it's a meeting of the minds. All right. Who's going to win out? And then I had to kind of talk through that perhaps the school he went to was different from where we live in downtown Dallas and the public school options, different era, different school system. And look at all the options in Dallas. I think maybe I should explore since I'm new to this area what's available? What are the choices? And so then it just was this journey of, okay, so there are private schools. There are private Christian schools. There are private Christian classical schools. There are private Christian classical homeschool university (laughs) model schools. I mean, so many options. And a lot of our friends that had older kids went to this one particular private Christian classical school. And I thought, well, that's where we'll go. Our church community is already going to that school. I love those people. They have a great thriving life there. And I visited and didn't feel peace. Mm. And then there was this other school where I could have listed off 10 reasons I would never send my kids to that school. I think I said that to a friend at a birthday party. Well, these are 10 reasons I would never send my kid to that school. And then I went to the open house there and both my husband and I were like, this is the place. This is it. 180 degrees, I was turned around. And only God can do that for you. And so, yeah, even with a plethora of choices, I have four different kinds of boys. It required, yes, the research and the looking through what do we value as a family. And I didn't know all these choices, what differentiated even between two different classical schools. And it took going and praying and seeking God and Him directing us to where we are, you know? Absolutely. And I love that you said, 
because my husband came from this and I came from that. And then you said, and I thought this was so interesting. You said, so I had a lot of research to do. (laughs) I just want to point out the fact that even though we're trying to get on the same page with our husbands, I would say probably, what would you 80 to 90%, even though you're making the choice with your spouse, many of us are, you're not making the choice alone. I just want to encourage the mom who feels like it's all on her shoulders. It's okay if you go do the research, Yeah, you know, just guard your heart about any bitterness there and then present it to your Mm -hmm. husband and say, this is what I found. Um, There's an open house here. I'd really love it. I'm going to line up a babysitter for us so that we can go to this open house together and then invite him in. Um, I felt like I had to narrow it down from like 20 choices down to two or three. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. then, and then purposefully invite your spouse into it. Um, and if you are in a divorced family, you know, do some research and then find a way either via email or, you know, making a plan to go to an open house together if that's possible and have a conversation about it. Um, I was thinking about the idea of what we value most. And I, I mentioned the preparatory school and I mentioned, um, you know, then the, the other maybe extreme of that is, you know, unschooling via homeschooling saying, Oh no, we don't do traditional curriculum. Even we're just, you know, we're going to keep my child strength is really that, that style might be more Charlotte Mason, lots of nature hikes, lots of reading poetry. And, and then from there getting into other models. But I was thinking of when we were in elementary school, there were the three R's. Do you remember what the three R's were? (laughs) Reading, writing, arithmetic. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is fun because, you know, one starts with an R, one starts with a W and one starts with an A, but we get the idea, the three R's. And then I think it was my very first time going to a homeschool convention. I think it was CHIA, California Homeschool Educators Association, something like that. And I think my firstborn was a baby. Mm. And there were two different takeaways from that very first one that I totally remember. The first is a book that was recommended. And you guys, I have to say, don't necessarily go buy this. I mean, look look (laughs) to it, but it's probably very outdated now because it's called 100 Top Picks for Homeschool Curriculum. And it was produced in 2005, which means, you know, there are many other curriculum choices. So take a look if you want, but there was by Kathy Duffy that either her introduction or chapter one said, before you look at curriculum, look at the personalities of your kids. Oh, wait, I have to get back to what I was saying about the three R's. I really am going to tie this back in. Okay. okay. And, uh, and she had there in the introduction of first chapters, you know, you consider your kids personalities before you choose the curriculum. But then she also, that's where I got this idea of take into account mom's personality, mom's strengths. I mean, you might say, I want to do a classical education, but really mom is so eclectic that, um, you know, she can't stay focused on something. Those are things to know about yourself. And if you want a classical education for your kid, uh, but you don't really have that bent, you know, you can't make it through a piece of classical uh, literature without being confused. Well, then maybe finding a a, a co-op or a school would be best. So that was just a really good point for me personally is taking into consideration my learning styles uh, as well. So if I had a kid that was, had a real strong bent towards mathematics and science, I wouldn't be the mom for him, but someone who is an artist, a musician, a writer, like I'm the mom for the job if it were homeschooling. So that was good. But the other one from that very first homeschool convention was called the three R's. And it was so fun to go to it because it reminded me when we were kids, the three R's were reading, writing, and arithmetic. Today, the three R's are respect, 
responsibility and resourcefulness for a lot of families. Mm -hmm. And there are schools that follow this model. But also at that point, what the speaker was trying to encourage was you don't have to value exactly what the schools are valuing. If you have different values about what's the most important thing that you want them to learn during their time in your home, then you make a choice because you're the teacher. So we've been given this command to train up our children in the way they should go. And when they are old, they won't depart from it. So when they are young, we get to say, all right, they need to learn to read and write. They need to be able to take personal responsibility for their studies by the time they're X years old. And those are all important things. But if they're going to leave my house with three things, what would those three things be? Would they be reading, writing, and arithmetic? Would they be respect, responsibility, and resourcefulness? Or maybe there's something else. And for our family, I thought, if there's one thing they leave our home having learned, it is to honor the Lord, their God, with all their hearts and minds and strength, to love him with their strength and their heart and their mind, and to love and honor others because they've learned to love and honor the Lord. And so what comes after that? Well, they've got to be in the word. We have to model that for them. We need to teach them to be in the word. That doesn't come naturally, even just by watching parents, like they need to be taught there. And then so does living as a servant. And so I want my children to learn to be others centered. And so as I looked at their education model, I thought, well, are there some things that I value as they need to learn reading, writing, arithmetic, but are there other skills that I want them to learn? And maybe a preparatory school in your neighborhood is going to have that. Maybe a public school is going to have what will help you with what you value most and maybe a homeschool. And so that goes back to those three columns is what is it you value? What are your children's strengths and weaknesses? And then what are the parents' strengths and weaknesses? Perhaps mom and dad need to both work. So homeschool isn't an option. That's that's good to know before you start this, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I've also known people that have made radical lifestyle choices because they wanted to bring mom home to teach. So those are three really, really good questions. Hey, y'all, jumping in here to tell you something new that I tried with this month's sponsor, Prep Dish. So last week was our spring break, and on Sunday, we were in the car all day. My husband was driving. It was near the end of the day, and one of my friends that we were traveling with texted me and said, I love grocery delivery. I just ordered my groceries. They'll be on our porch when we get home. And I was like, ding, 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 genius. So I went to my email, pulled up the PDF from Prep Dish from Friday, looked at the different meal options in the meal plan and looked at our week, chose what we were going to get from the grocery list, placed my order through Instacart, saved. I didn't have to pay for delivery because I bought so many items from General Mills or whatever. And that night, our groceries were delivered by this sweet lady who even brought us a balloon. It was amazing. And that week we had healthy food. I knew we had a late soccer game on Tuesday. So I made a crock pot barbacoa beef tacos, threw in some flour tortillas for my boys, had lettuce wraps for me. It's amazing. If you have not tried it out, I want to give you two weeks for free. If you go to prepdish.com forward slash DMA, and you're going to get that same PDF with the meal plan, the grocery list, the prep instructions and how to cook everything. You have choices of keto, gluten-free, or paleo options. I always choose paleo because that just fits our family. We aren't on that exact 
diet, but it works for us. You get two weeks for free if you go to prepdish.com forward slash DMA. All right, let's get back to my chat with Wendy. Here we go. That is super helpful. And I think one element that you nodded at early on and we could go back to is this isn't like when you're making this decision when they're three, four or five years old, that you're stuck with that choice. Right. This is a fluid thing. And like you said, all the different yearbooks, all the different places, yeah. uh, but that we can adjust and it's not going to ruin our kids. We're not that powerful. And <laughs> we can lean on God for that direction. Yeah. There was a season a couple years ago, right after my dad had passed away and we we're taking care of my mom. And I just felt really led to homeschool my two middle boys. And that doesn't make logical sense. Not an easy choice, but God literally laid out all the pieces. Um, yes. And I've shared that in another episode. If y'all want to go listen, it's called, I reserve the right to change my mind. Yes. Well, I hope that you'll link to that in the show notes. And I also have a blog post that I'll send your way to include. And the whole idea is that it's okay to bounce for a while between them. And, you know, we might bounce from one education model to the other, but the school of dependency on Christ is the school that I want to, (laughs) I want to register for that school. Yes. Yes. So you've had your boys and you shared how you brought one home. Did you have all three home at that time or were you in different places? I did for a while. I also have really strong-willed kids on top of some learning challenges. And that's why I keep bringing up knowing mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. It was too much on me emotionally. And that was a really important thing for me to learn that it's not, gee, I've got to be better at controlling my emotions. I mean, though there is that, uh, wrote a book about it. I was going to say, and this right? is where we talk about triggers. Yeah. yeah. You can sign up for something and then be shot emotionally and not be able to um, respond with love. But I learned that part of my personality design, I don't know if you've ever done a um, show on the Enneagram, but that really yes. helped me understand my personality. I'm a four. So me I don't too. have emotions. I am emotions, right? Yes. You're a four. Yes. I, admit, I would have guessed you were a seven. Oh, people think that, but I just heard from Suzanne Stabile's daughter, who's doing a once a month thing for parents in the Enneagram, that fours and seven as children look very similar. Wow. That I would say that's true about myself. Yeah. How interesting. Anyway, this is an Enneagram But it is helpful to know if you're a withdrawn stance person and and the child you're homeschooling is in an aggressive stance. That was my scenario. And where he's constantly coming at me and I'm constantly needing space. This is not a good long-term solution. But it was the right thing in the moment. I can For the season. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. and, and it's okay. I think oftentimes we feel like if I make a choice, and it ends up not being the right choice that I made the wrong choice. Mm, <laughs> you know, right. if I made a choice that wasn't the right choice, it ends up feeling like a wrong choice, which of course, if you write it out like a formula, that makes sense, right? If it wasn't the right choice, it was the wrong choice, but it could have been the right choice for you to bring them home for a year or two and not the right choice for forever. Well, and I think we don't, we don't know the ripple effects of those choices. We don't know what God's doing. We just need to know God and what he's saying do next. And uh, someone, when I was having a rough week or so, (laughs) someone said, don't question in the dark, the decisions made in the light. Mm. That's where God led you. Trust that that his purposes will prevail. And you even wanted to talk about when it is hard, when it is hard. And yes, we as moms are going to grow and maybe it's not the perfect right long-term solution. We have to protect 
you know, ourselves from damaging the relationship, our own mental health, but there are seasons to grow and grit and to grow our kids resourcefulness and grit. So talk through how you've seen that in your family. Well, what we've done since those early years is I ended up putting my youngest, very strong personality, who's very social. I put him in a small private school. Just as an aside, one thing I learned about private schools is you have private schools. And I'm talking about even Christian private schools, especially right now I'm talking about Christian private schools, that they might say, oh, we believe in showing grace. But one thing that I learned that is if they take stock, if they value their test scores, there's only so much grace available for kids with Mm. special needs. Mm. So that's important to know. If your kid is not going to be top of the class, if your kid has ADD or dyslexia or any number of other numbers and letters all describing a diagnosis, (laughs) then it's important to know that that could be a very stressful place for that child. Mm -hmm. But a public school with all of their special programs and your taxes are already paying for it and you can get called out to get extra reading help for kids specifically with dyslexia or impulsivity issues or just can't focus in that class, that's really good to know. So anyway, I thought because none of my kids are super like academic, I found that small Christian private schools that are more about the nurture of the child and the family. And oftentimes you'll find these like at at old churches and they've been using a Becca curriculum for 40 years. They're really, really wonderful places for kids that don't want to be three grades ahead of where they are. They have a great Christian curriculum. It's a small school environment. And so that ended up being a really good fit for my youngest. And the other two, I brought them home to homeschool, but I did it through a public charter here in our community that allowed them to go to school two times a week. And they did a couple of their curriculum pieces all there. So they had their writing there and they had two days of their math there. And and then on the three days at home, I could either do the curriculum they were on or change it up a little bit if I really wanted to focus like on their history. I love story of the world. So we would do story of the world rather than this school's curriculum. And then when they hit junior high, it goes to three days a week. And when they hit high school, it's four days a week. And really mom isn't homeschooling anymore. Those are home study days at that point. So I say homeschool, but I'm working myself out of a job um, in those upper years. So that's what we ended up doing. But um, there have been times both academically and socially in the later years where my children have said, this isn't working for me. And because we had switched schools in their younger years, they would say, I think I need to do something different. And I just realized, no, in this world, you will have troubles. You will have trials. You will have tribulation. It's a promise. But we can be of good cheer and we can consider it all joy as a matter of fact when we encounter these various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith, not just the testing of our academics and our relationships, but this is the testing of our faith. It's going to produce in us endurance. How do we persevere under trial, whether that's relationally or academically or spiritually even in that environment? Because these years when they're at school, they're in our home. This is our chance to not just protect them from the world, but slowly introduce them to the trials and the the hardships of this world while they're still under our roof. And we get to mentor them and disciple them 
in the context of our home and our values. And that's really a privilege. So I'm so blessed that we've made this slow transition into the world, I guess. And now uh, my high schooler says, mom, like a lot of people cuss and there are same sex couples and there are these questions. And so his assignment at the end of this quarter in science was write a letter to the, the president either supporting or against stem cell research and cite uh, research and, you know, different sources. And he was able to, uh, well, what does the Bible have to say about life? So in the context of my mentoring relationship with him, he is now in a public school setting four days a week. And um, some of the stuff that we've really said are our values are now actually his values. And he's learning to um, represent those values out in the world. So it's been a right fit there. And then my, my youngest, who's in a private school, is going to be making in the next two years his transition either to this school or to another public school. So that's what fit us. Yeah. But never easy. No. And always dependent. That's why I come back to it's the school of dependency. That's what we need rather than just an easy, I'm signing them up in preschool. We're going through 12th grade. They're going to get into a good college and life is easy. I think we get really, really, our theology is a little wrong when we think that life is supposed to be easy. It was never promised, never promised to be easy. You mentioned to me that there's a prayer you pray most when you're making big choices. Would you share that with us? I feel yeah. like this is a good time in that dependency. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. I just, I love this prayer so much in every bit of raising children. And in first Kings three, specifically three through 15, God asks Solomon, David's son, you can ask for anything. He says, give me your prayer request and I'm going to give it to you. And so of course, Solomon can ask for riches and uh, success against his enemies and a long life and a powerful kingdom. But instead he asks God for Heather, you know what it is? Wisdom. He asks for wisdom. And specifically, I want you guys to hear me say it specifically. This is how he says it. He says, give me wisdom as I lead this great people of yours. And he's talking about the nation of Israel, the Mm -hmm. children of Israel, but apply that to our families and through faith, we are part of that family of Israel too, right? We've been grafted in through faith. But as a family to say, these are your people, God, this is a great nation and it's yours. So give me wisdom as I lead this great people of yours. It just makes me want to cry every time I say it. I've been praying it for a decade, but still it really gets me choked up because in my understanding and in my strength, I'm going to do some things that are okay and some things well and a lot of things wrong. But what I really, really need is the wisdom of the Lord. What does Brody need? What does Caleb need? What does Asher need? And not like a once and done prayer request, but this is a praying without ceasing. God, today, give me wisdom. What does Brody need? God, today, give me wisdom. What does Caleb need? Give me wisdom as I lead this great people of yours. And as I pray that, It's amazing how you transfer the responsibility off of your shoulders onto the shoulders of the one who's able to carry every burden, Christ. And he's so good to speak to us through his Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Well, in that Hebrew, what he actually he's asking for is a God listening heart. 
So it is. It's that Holy Spirit whispering to us. That's the wisdom. The yes. wisdom is having a heart that's willing to stop instead of planning. And I think sometimes we're orchestrating an outcome that we want to control. And if they do this and they go with this friend and then this, then this will happen. And it's, it is that dependency of they're your people <laughs> that yeah. you have. And even in the hard things that could be a setup for the, the next thing you're going to call them to do the next yes. hard thing. And they need to walk through this smaller, hard thing to do that bigger, hard thing. And we just don't know what our kids futures hold, even after we've passed. And so we don't want to shortchange any of those lessons by thinking we can figure out the most perfect learning situation um, yeah. for our kids. We ask God for it, yeah. right? Yeah. Me, I mean, it would be awesome, God, if I would put the kid in and then in, you know, 13 years we'll <laughs> graduation and send them off to a really wonderful school with a full scholarship. Yeah. I mean, go for it, God. Go ahead and ask for it. But really what we need to ask for is wisdom. It's much more complicated than that. And so we, we hold our hands open, palms up, and we say, these are your kids and this is your good plan. And I am uh, reminding myself of God's word and reminding the Lord of his word. You have said, God, that you know what plans you have for Caleb Brody Nasher plans to prosper them and not to harm them, plans to bring them hope in a future. And so give me wisdom as I join you in what you're doing rather than asking you to bless me in the choices I'm making. And that's a small difference, but a very, very big one in our hearts. What do you want to do, Lord? And I want to join you there rather than, hey, God, I think this is what I'm going to do. So would you bless <laughs> this? Oh, Yes. The school of dependency, the school of dependency. That's school the one we're registering for. <laughs> yes. And, you know, you mentioned it so quickly and easily that your children have had different learning differences and academics yeah. haven't been their forte. <laughs> so <laughs> this is not, you know, you're saying it like that because your children are older and we kind of come to grips with the reality that we have and walk into those spaces of, you know, we need sure. to trust God for those spaces. But I know the mom who's listening, who has the child that's three years old, four years old, five years old, yeah. and it terrifies her that that yes. is going to be her story or that her child would have a diagnosis and to have to walk through those scenarios and the processing and the the challenges. What words of encouragement do you have for her? Of course, we don't fear, but we yeah. we want to go to Paris. We don't want to go to Holland. We want... <laughs> We want all the good. And, and so it's terrifying to think of our expectations not holding up and an expectation of a child who doesn't struggle, a child who doesn't need extra help. So right. how, how would you encourage her? Well, first of all, it's exhausting. It is hard work <laughs> for a child who needs extra help. Like I said, my kids are 15, 13, and 11. And I may have gone to sleep last night a little weepy because I was so worn out by the extra help that mm. ended at 1030 last night. Mm. And I work very hard to not get too involved in these later years, but to really give them the space to learn with natural consequences. I say things like, this is your responsibility. Come to me for help. But even coming for help is your responsibility. Look online. What are your grades? Do you have missing assignments? Is there something you don't understand? You may always come to me. So, you know, that's where I am. And I'm about to now back up and say to the mom of the three-year-old, the four-year-old, the five-year-old, the seven-year-old, or specifically the nine-year-old when ADHD can get really hard for a little boy in fourth grade. Yeah. Um, 
just because I'm about to encourage you doesn't mean that it is all of a sudden easy. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you this, what I believe with all my heart is that God is good and he is sovereign. He is not hands off. He is intentional. And he made your child, he stitched him together for his glory and your child's good. He has good plans for your child. And some of the most incredible women and men were the hardest kids to raise. And so we can trust that even if they have learning disabilities, and I rode the early bus to school, I was going to call it the short bus, but people are always offended as though I'm making fun. But I mean, it really does describe it. I had to get on a short bus and go to school early for remedial reading classes when I was a child and I write books now. And so you never know what your kid who can't read and comprehend like the other kids. I also, my teachers wanted to hold me back in fourth grade because I could not learn my multiplication tables. They did not make sense to me in seventh grade. They were threatened again to hold me back because I still couldn't understand basic grammar. I'm talking adverbs, adjectives, pronouns, the things that should by now be just easy weren't for me. Mm -hmm. So that was my own life. And so when my kids started to struggle, even though I went to a frightened place, I had to stop and say, God, you had a good plan for me. And I struggled. And so when my, my fifth grader said to me, Mom, I can't do it, I looked at him and said, it's going to be hard. And it feels like a wall, but you got to get over it. I mean, you got to literally get over that wall and get over telling yourself you can't. And I'm here and I'll help you. And I want to say to you, moms and dads listening, that your child might have challenges, but it's very important to partner with our kids in their challenges rather than allowing their challenges to become our challenges. Whether that means you're melting down because they're melting down, you're crying or you're angry because they can't learn because every day you get an email from the preschool teacher <laughs> saying that your kid can't Dick is a little tushy on the apple spot on the rug. You know, he's an apple and yeah. he needs to stay on the apple or on the bee or whatever. And he stands up and he walks around the outside of the room. And have you considered testing him for Asperger's? And, you know, every day, another email telling you what your child's doing wrong can be an exhausting, exhausting existence. But you need to say, that's my child's issues and I'm the mom for the job. I will join him or her and help them through this. But it's not going to challenge me because there is a God on the throne of my life. He will give me all I need for life and godliness. And this life right now is about helping that child. And the same is true for a kid who's just really, really strong-willed. What a privilege that God said, that's the mom for the job. That child is going to cling tenaciously to whatever they believe. Let's get them there before they grow up and leave our house. That's a privilege to be the mom of that child. So yes, it's hard. And I'm sorry. I'm truly sorry that it's such a challenge, but it's their challenge. And your challenge is to partner with them in their challenge and not let it be your challenge. That would be my encouragement. Yes. And, and I would say one thing I've grown in because a couple of mine are very strong and I get the frequent teacher emails and have the hard parent teacher conferences is when they were young, I completely dismissed everything teachers said as um, not helpful and 
they're not seeing the best of my kids. And I think once I homeschooled those <laughs> children, <laughs> I, my appreciation for the input of another adult in my child's life increased. And I started to think, okay, perhaps some of their feedback could direct me to getting extra help in certain areas so that my child is less frustrated. They're going to push through because they're so strong and God made them persistent. Yeah. But unnecessarily, if we could get a little help in different areas. And so I think I grew up a little bit in, instead of being so defensive of don't talk about my kid like that, or they don't have any problems or to humble myself and say, okay, yeah, that's hard at home for me too. So if Mm -hmm. it's hard at home, it's probably going to be hard at school when you're dealing with a classroom of kids. And I could see how that behavior would not help the entire dynamics of a classroom. And so, yes, walking alongside your child, not taking it on as you personally, but also walking alongside your the staff and the teachers and any other therapists that you bring into the mix. And I think there becomes a humility that this isn't just you having to control and protect and hide, you know, yeah. the challenges. Yeah. Well, and I think we think that the challenges stop mm. a good plan for our kid's life. Mm. And it yeah. doesn't. No. And I've seen in my own children's lives, but also in my husband's life, in other uh, men and women around us, I look at that person. I mean, I look at myself and say, wow, that must have been a wild ride to parent that child. <laughs> you know, that that must have been hard to have that one in your classroom. Um, I have a friend named Jeff who has a, a music company called Jumpstart 3, and it's all scriptures. And so it's like the old plunky little songs, you know, that we used to listen to when our kids were in Sunday school and they were really little and it was all scripture. But now it's like um, synthesized, really modern pop music, but it's all scripture. And um, when I'm with Jeff, I just smile. He has probably the strongest uh, ADHD I've ever seen in an adult. I wonder what like that looked like as a child. Yeah. But he produces more God-honoring music. And he's always on the road. He's going to one church after another. He calls himself a musicianary. And I think, <laughs> God, you had a good plan when you made Jeff like that. Mm-hmm. Now, as a parent, I'd get a Jeff and say, how can I undo what you did, God, in order to do him better? Mm. Instead of saying, I want to join you in your good plan for my Jeff. Yeah. And my husband, he would get picked up at school by his parents in the principal's office mm. regularly. Like he had his own desk with a little <laughs> bag on it because he couldn't stop talking. But now, my goodness, what an incredible communicator he is. And I'm so proud of the man he is and how many things he does exceptionally well. But you want to know what it looked like as a child? It looked like that. So when I look at my kids and their struggles, I come to the Lord expectantly and say, I cannot wait to see your good plan for this child's life. Give me the strength and give me the wisdom to partner with you in what you're doing. I don't want to undo your good plan in order to do it in my plan. I want to join you in your good plan and be there to clap my hands and dance at what you've done, Lord. I really love these kids. So give me wisdom as I raise this great people of yours. Mm, So helpful, Wendy. Oh my goodness. Because I know originally we talked about doing this show when people are having to make this choice, typically in January around here in Dallas. I don't know about California, but I also know that last week, a lot of schools released acceptance letters. And there may be the mom listening whose child didn't get into the school that they were planning 
to send them to. And I think all of your words of just that school of dependency, that the prayers for wisdom, the trusting God with the bigger plans, they just all release the pressure that somehow our kid is going to miss something if they don't go to X, Y, and Z school, or that there's some ranking order of this is the Mm -hmm. best school choice and this is the worst um, that we can say God is bigger than all of that. So I appreciate you, Wendy, coming on the show. I know you're doing so many wonderful things online. Would you let everyone know where they could find you? Yeah, absolutely. The website is wendyspeak.com. Speak is with an E. And at the end, and, and that's where I blog sometimes, but really I try to engage on Facebook and on Instagram. And then I, I host an annual sugar fast in January where it actually is not just a physical detox, but it's also a spiritual fast because we recognize that we're running to all the things rather than running to God. And regularly we do it during our hardest parenting moments, whether you're running to your phone Mm -hmm. or you're running to the pantry for a handful of chocolate chips. And so those are some of the things that I do is in January, a sugar fast during Lent, I do a social media fast and just encouraging moms to keep running to the Lord in their stress rather than other things to get you through. So I hope to interact with you online when I'm not doing a social media fast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and I'll look forward to um, getting to know some of your listeners. Wow. We so appreciate your honesty and your just wisdom. I think wisdom that came straight from God's word. So nothing better than that. Yeah. Well, thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for giving us a chance to not mom alone. Community is the best. So I'm a huge fan. Oh, you're so sweet. Thanks, Wendy. Okay. So deep breath. Do we feel better? I know that So much was mentioned in that show. Personally, we have chosen a private classical Christian education. Part of that is help that we've received from grandparents. And part of that is just a year-by-year choice and a dependency like Wendy talked about. I want you to also know that I get there are so many different kinds of kids And no kid fits, quote unquote, in the box. One story that reminds me of this is when I was waiting outside for my parent-teacher conference, and I know you're not supposed to listen, but they'd left the door open, and it was preschool, so it's not a big deal. But I overheard the teacher giving feedback to the parents that were in the room, and they were being told that their child had behaviors that were the exact opposite of the behaviors I'd been given feedback on for my child. And I was thinking... No child is in the box. So I want to give you that relief if you're heading into parent-teacher conferences this spring and feeling discouraged by some of the things you're hearing about your child to know that it's not a mistake and that you haven't done something quote-unquote wrong, that your child is in process. And even this last week, I learned more about one of my children. Um, We're starting to do some therapies outside of school And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this would have been so helpful to know so many years ago, but I just trust God and his timing and so thankful that we have so many options for helping our kids be the best versions of themselves for God's glory, for his purposes. Y'all have mentioned how much you have loved the prayers that I've been adding at the end. And so since that's something I'm super passionate about right now, I am going to take a second and pray over this topic for us. So let's pray. Lord, I come before you and I am picturing the parents who are listening. I pray your peace to flow in and through every part of their body. I pray for wisdom 
like Wendy talked about, I pray for the wisdom to lead your people well, that we can know these are your kids first. But I thank you that you have entrusted us with that responsibility. I thank you that we can listen to you before we listen to the opinions of others, that we only fear you, God, and not people and people's opinions and people's judgments, that we can be right with you, God, and know with full confidence that we are walking in the plans you have for us right now. That oftentimes that that lamp, God's word, that leads our path, God, that that lamp can only show us the next step. And if that next step, even if it doesn't make logical sense, is where you're pointing us, God, that we trust you in faith that you know what's coming in the future. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage the mom of the child that's outside the box. Encourage her to trust you even with those challenges. I thank you, Lord, that we get to partner with you. May we know you more and more through this journey of parenting our kids. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, y'all. Last week, I filmed a live video on anger. (laughs) Some of you have seen my Instagram profile and said, you never talked about your anger journey. Well, I did on this video. And if you want access to it, it is going to be uploaded to our video archive over at the Not Alone community Um, in April. It'll be up there. If you want to check out the Not Alone community, just go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash join. We have so many resources there. I created a calm parenting listening guide where I took all the different episodes I've ever done on parenting calmly and made a little guide so that you can work through that. This month's guide is on marriage since I celebrated my 20 years of marriage in March. We just have some good things coming in the future. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing online, sharing with your friends, making sure other moms don't mom alone. And my challenge to you is to look at your own heart when it comes to education and where can you be giving grace to yourself and giving grace to your friends and supporting them in the different choices that they're being led to. All right. Thanks y'all for listening. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's also where you'll find the show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, he said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that is superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present and with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.